1: Learn more at aarp.org skills. Let's be honest. The first place our family turns to
0: when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach. St. Simon's on the Georgia coast, for instance, Mm -hmm. it's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home?
1: That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away, because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house you could just host your extra spare room if you got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. Today we're discussing cars that last, SB Fraudster and tricky tax forms.
1: That's right, buddy, this is our Friday flight and we're going to discuss the best stories that we came across this week, the different headlines that we think that actually you don't need to read because we're going to talk about them. Right now We
0: don't want you to read In fact <laughs> If you're illiterate We want you to enjoy the show We will give you all the It's like a baby A baby bird Getting fed by its mother my mama
1: bird Is that us? <laughs> That's one of the mama birds Did you ever do that skit In college? Mama bird I don't think I did Oh uh, yeah You don't no. want to You don't want to hear about it right <laughs> now. Uh, By the way Have you I, I feel like I've knocked out A lot of holiday Christmas shopping uh, Over the past couple of days Have you gotten all of your orders in? 100% nice. All done oh, Completely nice. done
0: Yes So thrilled with that That it's not even on my radar anymore Have you already wrapped everything? Everything's wrapped Oh, dang, Well, no, I have one thing left. One thing left. All my stuff's in the mail right now. Well, that's good because you know why? You're going to pay less because you've already shipped it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's actually a good thing to mention to all How to Money listeners real quick is that December 17th, this Saturday, is the deadline for first-class mail if you want it to arrive in time for Christmas. So if you are procrastinating uh, and you don't get things, I guarantee you, lines are going to be hideous <laughs> tomorrow at the post office. But still, you might want to get that stuff shipped uh, mm-hmm. today or tomorrow so that you can avoid paying more to ship your goods or just missing uh, Christmas and letting everyone down. That's right. So you don't want to do that.
1: I uh, Yeah, I still got a couple packages I need to mail. Okay. Actually, stuff for that we need to send. We're, we're sending some beer mail. Oh, uh, that's to true. Some, some friends of ours. Yeah. Uh, and so I've got to get that out. Actually, by the time this episode hits, first thing Friday morning, I'm going to be at the post office, UPS, whichever is cheaper.
0: Good man. All right. Yeah, make sure we don't overpay. For that beer mail shipment. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's move on, though, Matt. Let's get to the sampling of stories we found interesting this week. Of course, in the world of crypto, SBF, the former disgraced, now disgraced CEO of FTX, Mm -hmm. he was taken into custody by police in the Bahamas. He had like this palatial resort where he had a bunch of roommates and stuff like that. And uh, at the request of the U.S. government, he is now in custody, right? And a, a few different agencies are, are filing charges ranging from wire fraud, money laundering, and conspiracy. It's it's not looking good for SPF. And apparently he even had a Slack channel called Wire Fraud. So I'm not sure how difficult this case is going to be to prove. <laughs> um, and I've, 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 oh I've seen some jokes uh, about him trying to post bail with the token he created, FTT, which is very funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it surely seems like this was not a case of incompetence, although that's
1: what SPF seems to be claiming in his little media tour. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we were just talking about this, but even if he is claiming incompetence, even if this was a total mistake, fact is you defrauded folks. Fact yeah. is you have to be held responsible for your actions. Like there are going to be consequences yeah. regardless of whether or not this is something you did intentionally.
0: For that. sure. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. And not to say that all crypto exchange owners are fraudulent thieves like SBF. Like I think there are some good people in positions of power in the crypto space, but but because of his actions, we would say it's important to be even more careful when investing in crypto right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep your exposure to this asset class minimal. Make sure that it's your money is being held somewhere safe. The domino effect is real, and it's hitting other crypto exchanges. And so, yeah, if you feel that right now you're too exposed to
1: cryptocurrency, you, you might want to hedge your bets. Yeah, I think I saw that. I mean. Prosecutors and regulators—they're uh, also trying to find like the missing money because I mean there's billions of dollars here of investors' money that can't be found. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to find it, Joel, <laughs> because I mean the the whole thing like it was a giant pyramid scheme. Like it yeah. was it's a, it was a house of cards, and that money was siphoned over to Alameda Research. And fact is that I mean that money was used to speculate. Yeah. and like anybody who who's owned any sort of crypto over the past year. You have seen it crater. And so, yeah, I don't it's not like they're going to find some account and all the money <laughs> is going to be like it's evaporated. Right. Uh, unfortunately, it's not like sitting
0: over here in some no, LI account. No, yeah. exactly.
1: Like in different little savings buckets and stuff. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. This wasn't like the Bernie Madoff thing where they, they, they actually did have that money sitting that he was uh, stealing himself. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, let's talk about the housing industry because uh, mortgage rates. They have been ticking down. They're they're actually closer now to 6% than they are to 7% at this point. Uh, That's still a lot more than they were a year ago. Uh, And that has a direct influence on what your mortgage payment would be if you were to buy a house in the near future. But uh, it is also massively helpful to see rates mellow out a little bit because that's going to be good for the real estate market. Um, I don't think anybody really wants to see a repeat of the 2021 frenzy yeah. uh, with housing prices skyrocketing, and I think we're unlikely to. But just having a, a completely frozen housing market isn't good either. We'll see what the Fed does. As everyone saw earlier this week, they continued to raise rates, although at a slower pace, 50 yeah. basis points rather than the 75. So that's and encouraging.
0: The Fed rate doesn't go up or down in tandem with mortgage rates. So that's interesting
1: to see, too, that Fed mm-hmm. rate continues to climb, but mortgage rates are going down right now. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. Uh, by the way, don't forget to shop around. Uh, As you're looking for a mortgage, according to Freddie Mac, they say that buyers could save an average of $1,500 over the life of the loan uh, by getting just one additional quote. And that savings increases to about $3,000 if you compare five quotes. And we'll say that that's a pretty big difference. Yeah. Although I saw also that this, this is before the incredible volatility that we have seen so far this year. It was a year. few years ago that they released yeah, that, those, yeah. that guidance, but it could be even I, more than that. I guarantee. I personally guarantee it. Yeah. You let me know. If, uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely kidding. But there's no way that you could not save much more just with the, the volatility of rates recently, because there are certain banks that maybe were most likely quick to raise rates as as they climb, but maybe now as they've dipped a little bit, they're thinking, ah, we kind of liked it up yeah. here. That's that's what we want to charge, even I, I though others aren't. I was shocked that, at how much I was able to save this summer when getting a mortgage.
0: The, the disparity in interest rates between a few different local banks it was more than, were massive. It would have been more than $3,000 oh, yeah. for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saved probably five figures right over the life of the loan just by shopping around. And so it's one of those things where, yeah, the more... You, it's we, we, We've learned to shop for everything. We've got the Honey plug-in. For little consumer goods, we buy online. But when it comes to shopping for mortgage, most people go to one place. That's a bad idea. If you're in the uh, the market for a house, you're yeah. going to want to shop around to be able to save. Most death. Lots of money over a big period of time. Let's talk about cars, Matt, one of the other big line items in our budgets. And uh, one of the questions that a lot of people want to know is, well, which car, if I buy it as going to last the longest not everybody wants to keep their car a really long time we would say it's a super smart financial move if you do and for frugal folks that's just one of the best questions you could ask about your transportation device because the longer you keep that car the more money you save and so every time you trade in an old car for a newer model that's just money out of your pocket that you could have been doing other awesome things with i get it some people they like to spend money on cars that's Fine if that's your craft beer equivalent, but the the folks... But
1: dang, that's but an dang. expensive craft beer equivalent, am I, hate, I right? I hate to see it. <laughs> Think about how much craft beer we could buy with just one used car, John. I know, I'd rather see you pick <laughs> something cheaper, but I get it. Some people love to have
0: a nice car. And the folks over at IC Cars, they did a study to see which cars have the longest lifespan. And the results were conclusive. Toyota cars... Are made really well, and that's not necessarily shocking to me, Matt. But, but I think what was shocking was that Toyota took ten of the top twenty spots. Yeah, fully half of that, the most uh, the cars that last the longest very are Toyota. Impressive. Vehicles. Yeah. So if you're in doubt about which brand of car to consider, that should help narrow it down, right? That uh, evidence right there. And on top of that, I see cars. They said that uh, with regular maintenance, you can expect to drive these cars for upwards of two hundred and thirty thousand miles. That's some real longevity, and I think most people think, "Oh, my car, it, dude,
1: that it's never going to get to that point in time." But more and more car- cars really can these days. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was surprised to not see as many Hondas. Yeah. Uh, in that top twenty, and I think there's only something like three uh, that broke the top twenty. Honda Odyssey was definitely up there. There you go. But uh, yeah, if you if you want that long lasting car, you definitely get the Toyota over the Honda. And dude, I, I also think it's a good idea to reframe our concept of what we consider to be an old car because. I'm guessing there are still a lot of folks out there who think that their car, their vehicle is getting long in the tooth when it crests 100,000 miles. By the way, where does that come from? Long in the tooth. Long in the tooth? Yeah. Like, I think, so squirrels, they have to chew, like they chew on stuff to cut their teeth. Uh Uh-huh. Like their teeth grow like fingernails. And so I think when something is getting old, it gets long in the tooth, which means it's older. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's my understanding. Of Thank it. you for the explanation. <laughs> that's I mean, that's why squirrels will like chew on your house or like your siding or different stuff like that. They, they do it, obviously, to like try to get into the warm attic. But I think it's also to it's like a way to trim trim down them teeth a little bit. Makes sense. But, but yeah, I, I do think it's important for us to kind of reframe how it is that we're thinking about it. The truth is your car is probably like just over the hill when maybe you're, you know, passing 100,000 miles, maybe even 150,000 miles if you're driving a Toyota. It's likely got a lot of life left in it, especially if you're driving a Toyota. Yeah. The car manufacturer definitely matters, right? Because if you're driving a Jeep, maybe you are nearing the end of life. And how uh, well you maintain it
0: matters too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Those regular oil changes, which you're like, oh, do I have to go in and get, do it again? Well, yeah, you do. And because uh, it's going to make your car last longer, it's a smart investment to keep that thing chugging along. And I think we overestimate too, Matt, the cost of repairs on older cars. We're like, oh, gosh, yeah. I just forked over 1,200 bucks for this repair on my old Toyota. Well, Look at what car payments cost you. It's Mm -hmm. going to be a heck of a lot more than the repair costs on that car. I think we
1: we crunched the numbers one time, and a single car payment of an average car that's financed today is more than the uh, expenses associated with a used car. The annual cost
0: of repair. The annual cost of repair is
1: less than a single. (laughs) A ten-year-old car payment. Yep, it's pretty insane.
0: And and another thing that will save you money for driving an older car is you'll save money on insurance, and especially if that car is old enough to where you can drop comprehensive and collision and self-insure, right? And uh, that's a more important tactic than ever because insurance rates are rising in a real and meaningful way. Insurify is a website and they say that the the average driver is going to spend more than $150 a month on insurance next year, which is almost $2,000 a year. And every car you own, by the way, is costing you this much money to insure. Uh, It's costing you more than you think in all likelihood. So driving that older, more reliable car is a great thing. Ditching a car from your life altogether is even Mm -hmm. better. We Mm -hmm. talked about that, Matt, back in episode 242. We want to see people have fewer cars in their life. Not only is it like better for the planet, woohoo, that's a good thing, but it's going to save you a ton of money, especially as insurance rates are just like going through the roof.
1: Totally. Yeah. I've I've still been impressed at how little I've needed to use uh, Uber or Lyft since we've moved out to the Burbs. I was thinking that it was going to be something I I was going to need to do a lot more. But maybe at the very end of the year, I'll like total all those uh, all those costs up. But by the way, man, one thing that makes ditching a car altogether no problem. uh, And actually, I think that was the name of that episode. No car, no problem. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But one of the ways that you can do that a little more easily is if you're allowed to ride the bus for free wherever it is that you live. Uh, Axios, they recently documented the rise of free bus services around the country. Washington, D.C., they just voted to make their bus system completely free to riders. Uh, and they, they're they not alone. They, they join other cities like Kansas City, uh, Alexandria, in uh, Virginia. They do that as well. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll see if this, this catches on. But if we're going to subsidize anything, I think making bus travel a little more affordable or totally free seems to be a smart one. And so keep that in mind. If if riding the bus is free, wherever it is that you live, jump on it. We would recommend you find a way to take an ax to what's typically the second largest line item of everybody's monthly budget. Yeah. And even transportation, if that bus costs money, it's
0: likely way the heck cheaper than your automobile. So it's like, if you can stay, I had a friend who lived up here in the burbs, Matt, rode into the city on the bus every single day to get to work and people looked at him like he was crazy because nobody does that. Everybody drives in their own personal vehicle. Like, are you kidding me? But, they're also expecting him to have his newspaper right. and his, his thermos of hot coffee. Well, he was able to read a book. <laughs> I mean, he got a lot done on that trip, not to mention does not have to be in the stressed out by Mm -hmm. in bumper to bumper traffic and he's saving a ton of money on top of it. So I think we underestimate the role that a bus can play in our lives, whether it's three or it costs money. But uh, let's move on, Matt. This doesn't come as any sort of shock, but Gen Z and millennial shoppers are turning to social media for their holiday shopping in a big way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Something like guilty. (laughs) (laughs) You, (laughs) you are a millennial (laughs) and uh, something like I've used it to inform ideas. I, I try not to go straight from like the ad to the purchase because I don't know. I, to me, that's like a barrier I don't want to cross. But <laughs> I, I'll let I've, it. I'll let it be like give me a suggestion and then I'll go check it out on my own time.
1: I've, I've mostly done it when I had been researching a couple of different products, and then obviously the cookies are implanted or whatever. However, the technology uh-huh. works, and they know, and so then they feed me a great sale, and I think that's exactly what I was, what I had been yeah, looking like, for. Okay, How n- did you know? Now's the time if you're going to give me yeah, yeah exactly. a discount on top of that. That's it. normally normally what I do, although. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recently bought something for the kids. Like I I was fed something. This is the first time I've ever done this, but it was I was fed a completely random toy. And I was just like, that's just, that's just too good. <laughs> so I, I mean, it's really cheap. It's just like one of those little dumb things. Yeah. Uh, got some for your kids as well. So oh, you can look forward to that. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> something like 60% of folks in that age
0: range will do at least some shopping on TikTok, YouTube, or Instagram this season. That's according to the National Retail Federation. So whether it's the the hyper-tailored ads that are served up to us ad nauseum, uh, they know what we like sometimes before we know it, or the influencers who we follow who just have the best taste, right? Like mm-hmm. folks are, are finding themselves compelled to make a couple extra clicks in order to buy that item for themselves or for a loved one or for their friend's kids, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, social media, we're not trying to say social media is the devil or anything like that, but just keep in mind that they can have these subtle effects and, and it can have a negative influence on on you over time. And it can counteract some of the personal finance progress you're attempting to make. So especially this time of year, uh, I think we are more and more susceptible to the ads that because we're like, Oh, yeah, that's gonna be perfect for my friend Sheila or whatever. And we click through we buy it. And oftentimes we end up spending more than we intended to just Yeah, it's it's a great idea to let social media maybe inform you to take some of that inspiration from other posts. But if you use it as like a shopping mechanism that can quickly get out of control. Nice.
1: Yeah, I like what you said. It's not the devil, but definitely be careful, A, with how much time you're spending on social media, uh, but then B, how they are encouraging you to spend more of your dollars. Uh, Joel, we're going to take a quick break, but we've got a couple more stories, including one that everybody should be aware of if they've received over $600 in payment via Venmo or Cash App, different apps like that. We'll get to that story plus others right after this.
0: Dot com slash how to money That's spelled K-A-C-H-A-V-A, and get 10% off your first order. That's kachav slash how
1: to money. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast, and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the Money app For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back from the break, and of
0: course, every Friday flight we get to our ludicrous headline of the week. It's uh, something we saw on the web this week, and it shocked it amazed us, and we had to talk about it here on the show. And this one comes from Bloomberg, and the title of this piece reads, Retail traders lose $350 billion in brutal Year." For taking risks. Say so it ain't so. That, that's us, man. <laughs> yeah.
1: We are the retail traders. We have lost money this month or this year. Well, yes, but hopefully uh, not as much. As they're talking the more stats about stats that they're talking we're about. Long
0: ter- <laughs> we're long term retail investors, right? And these oh, are yeah. retail traders, which is a different thing. Oh, and that's they, true, that's and true. they parse that out really in this article because estimates from a, a couple of different research firms in this piece reveal that the average individual trader, and I think that's the key word here, has a portfolio that's down more than 30% from the top of the market, which occurred in January of this year. Well, how much is the S&P 500 down as of this point? More like in the upper teens, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, th- this the story is familiar at this point. More folks stuck in their houses with additional government funds, hitting their account. They opted to start investing, but instead of choosing the boring route, they wanted to try the sexy path and see if that was going to work out. And it didn't for most po- folks, and and so if you've opted for the boring route that we advocate, you might be bummed that you've seen a dip in your portfolio and and probably your net worth as well this year, unless you were just like funneling a ton of money towards investments even as the market was going down. But the truth is that the alternative is even more financially painful. Folks who are uh, day trading their money, folks who are investing in meme stocks, or folks who are investing in the hot stock of the moment. I mean, look at something like Carvana, Matt. I mean that that is a Business that looked like it had legs and was doing really well, especially as the used car market was crushing, mm-hmm. and now like that company's almost out of business. <laughs> and so, uh, you have to be careful when you're uh, opting for the day trading route as opposed to the long term investing route. Most it's, definitely, it's just interesting to see that yeah, these the folks who are are trading regularly, they have much bigger losses, right? And it looked good on the run up, but it's looking worse on the come down.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's a good distinction to make. Because even, yeah, like you said, even having having taken the boring route, like we're still looking at a portfolio that's down about 20%, yeah. you know, like pretty dang close to that right now. Nobody prays for that or wants that. Nobody wants that. That's where a lot of us are sitting. But like yeah. you said, folks who are who are invested more in crypto, in single stocks, uh, they're seeing their, honestly, I'm surprised to, to see that that number wasn't higher. Like Honestly, that tells me that there's a lot more folks who have invested in a more conservative way. Because well, like
0: was one of the predictions, I think was 38%, was yeah. that, that that's where the, the average trader's down. And, and I'm like, that's double what the average yeah. tra- uh, average long-term
1: investor is down. Sure. But then you look at like single stocks like Tesla, they're down over 50%. Yeah. You look at Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, the biggest uh, cryptocurrencies, they're down over 60%. And so... I don't know, in my mind, you picture a bunch of stonk traders uh, <laughs> who've got their fingers crossed that things are going to go to the moon. Mm-hmm. And you I, I envision folks who are sitting at losses at closer to 60%. Yeah. But I am actually maybe a little more encouraged to see that it's not quite that severe.
0: Yeah, well, uh, that, that's the Tesla one is interesting, too, because it's definitely know, yeah, a stock that had a story to go along with it. And a lot of a lot
1: of folks were saying pe- people
0: will buy a story. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's <laughs> exactly. why one of the reasons we just dis- wanted to dissuade listeners from investing in single stocks. or doing it with a very, very small portion of your investable assets because the boring route. Yes, it's boring, but
1: it's going to lead to ultimately more money for you over time. So and you're it, recommending the boring company. Yeah. Uh, another one of Elon Musk's. <laughs> no, no. Ventures. Oh, okay. No, although just I, making sure that people aren't reading between the lines. Or <laughs> <visual>. <laughs> no, I don't even think that's a publicly <laughs> traded company, and nor should it be. Okay. So, on a related note, uh, now I guess infamous fund manager Kathy Woods fund, it was, you know, it was all the rage in, uh, as some of her favorite. Bets were crushing during the pandemic. Um, I, I feel like the talk about her her prowess and her skills were almost as frequent as her CNBC appearances. Uh, but when you zoom out, even Kathy Wood has actually underperformed the S and P over the past few years, uh, despite her rapid pandemic successes, uh, her, uh, what she called it, it was her innovation ETF. Yeah, It's it's down in the neighborhood of 62%. Sounds like what you want to be in, right? It's like innovative, (laughs) of course. Uh, Yeah, her results have have been more Icarus-like recently. Uh, But the Times, they ran an article last week about how hard it is to beat the S&P over an extended period of time. So this isn't just her who's kind of, you know, crap on the bed. It's everybody. And they documented, uh, they did some research, and they found that of the 2,132 actively managed mutual funds, not a single one managed to consistently beat the market over a five-year period. So, yeah, we wanted to share that because index funds certainly haven't been just rainbows and sunshine this year. But the alternative strategy... Has been even worse for millions of folks. We do not want that to be an alternative that you you can consider it, I guess, but just don't <laughs> just don't go down that path. Because picking single stocks, buying a bunch of uh, different funds because of different rock star managers or stock pickers will almost inevitably lose you money over the long haul.
0: Yeah, it feels like a tale as old as time at this point, or a tale as old as at least index funds. <laughs> a tale as old as at least like late the late nineteen seventies. Sure, uh, but. And if you want to know more about the history, we talked with Robin Wigglesworth about index funds recently. Mm -hmm. That was a super fun episode. But uh, it's something we will continue to say uh, and continue to give the evidence to support why index funds are a better choice. And it's also nice because it's a set it and forget it choice. You don't have to think about it, and then you don't have to like wring your hair when you're when you're underperforming and when things aren't going well, uh, which I think I appreciate the emotional stability that index funds can provide. That's underrated. Totally, but Me- mental health, man. It's, yeah, it's important. It's true. Index funds can help you out on that front. <laughs> Do it for your mental health, yeah, everybody. yeah. And since we're talking about investing, let's talk about retirement for a second. It turns out that Gen Z, which we're older than that, Matt. We're millennials, but yeah. gen, the oh, Gen all gen those Z-ers, Zoomers. I like to call them Zoomers.
1: Zoomers it's like Boomers, but Zoomers. Yeah, with a Z. Yeah. I like it. And, you know, Zoom. You get on Zoom. They get, don't do that anymore. You get it? <laughs> <laughs> they
0: don't do that anymore. They're doing other things, I think. But uh, they have a different view of retirement than folks in other generations, as it turns out. According to a recent Harris poll, they're more prone to think that retiring early is an option and one that they want to pursue. Nice. 43% of folks aged 25 and younger say they plan to retire before they hit the age of 65. Gen Xers are more sober minded, less than a quarter of them think think that they're going to be able to retire before 65. But there's another stat in this poll, Matt, that made me think that a large swath of Gen Z might just be wearing rose colored glasses, like these are hopes and dreams and not like actual realities that are, are likely to occur, because only 35% of them said that saving for retirement was a financial priority in their lives. So, so like, a lot more people said, yeah, I'm going to retire pretty early. But very, very few said, no, I'm definitely saving for retirement. It's yeah. a priority for me. And those two things don't coexist. There seems to be a
1: disconnect here. Yeah.
0: And you, we would say we want HTM Gen Z listeners to have the option to retire early, to be able to travel the world or pursue whatever passion project they might have decades from now. But that goal just isn't going to have a shot right. of occurring if those boring old retirement accounts aren't made a priority in the here and now. You got to start doing it, start funneling money in that direction. So you're giving yourself options in the future.
1: Yeah, and I think some of this might have to do with like the definition of retirement, because I also saw that of those Gen Zers as well, those Zoomers, they also expected to participate in what they called a second act. Like a basically, even though they're going to be retiring from their quote unquote real job, there might be a secondary job where they're still able to you know, generate some sort of income, even if it's a lot less than what they were pulling in before, which I think is great. But you yep. still have to have money in the retirement accounts Gotta to supplement something. the drop in
0: income, exactly. unless you plan to dramatically reduce your lifestyle. And so, it's something that they they need to put this on the front burner if they want to achieve even that ability to curb their career short, so they can pursue, I don't know, writing the next great American novel or. A painting, uh, whatever it may be. That's totally fine if you want to try totally. a second career. We encourage that, but you got to be
1: saving to achieve it. That's right. Uh, let's talk about taxes here for a second because uh, millions of folks are going to be getting a tax form that they're likely not used to seeing thanks to a pandemic law that went into effect earlier this year. If you buy and sell things on different websites like uh, eBay or Etsy, or if you even if you've got like a maybe less of a business. Maybe it's more of a side hustle. Uh, You consider it uh, more of a side hustle and you rent out a room uh, in your house or maybe on Airbnb. Or even if you just send money on Venmo or Cash App, there is an increased chance that you're going to get a 1099k in the mail. Uh, the threshold for receiving one of these forms used to be a lot higher before you had to perform a bunch of transactions that equaled to $20,000 or more, meaning that uh, a lot of folks were able to slide under the the tax man's radar, under, under the radar of the IRS. Uh, but that threshold is a mere $600 now. And you know, like of course you should most definitely, 100%. You should have been reporting that income anyway. But now the IRS is gonna know that you've made that money, uh, and you'll have to report that income on your taxes. Mm-hmm. This is. I remember we we talked about the IRS earlier this year, Joel, and I feel like we we almost kind of came down on the side of the IRS a little bit because they're getting something like 80 million dollars in additional funding over the coming years, and and, and there, there there's pictures of how. The terrible conditions, <laughs> essentially, yeah. of some of these offices, and it seems like they've been understaffed for years. Well, they made it sound like they were going to use the increased funds to attack the hyper-rich who are
0: avoiding Ex- the most
1: kind exactly. of taxes. But this feels like the opposite's uh, happening. Well, yeah, I feel like you're you're starting to wade in those those political waters Sorry. a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, in fact rules are rules, though, right? Yeah. Like if this, if you are supposed to be filing uh, certain forms and reporting income, you you've got to do that no matter what. Yes. However, it definitely feels like this is not the most efficient use of that money, Mm -hmm. like aside from the values and the principle of it, maybe the IRS should be focusing their efforts elsewhere um, that would generate perhaps higher amounts of tax dollars as opposed to going after somebody who made made $1,200 through their little side hustle. Well,
0: yeah. And now this this new reporting threshold is changing the way that some folks choose to provide their goods and services. Some just, they don't want the IRS hassle and they're opting for other platforms where there is no middleman handling the money exchange. And so think Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. So Mm -hmm. people are actually changing like where they sell their stuff in order to avoid this new hassle that is the 1099K (laughs) that they're going to get in the mail. And uh, I think it's worth noting, too, that some folks are nervous because they maybe use these apps to transfer money back and forth to friends and family, or they've been they split a lot of dinner bills this way. But and and they're worried. And I think, honestly, I understand the worry. They're worried they're going to get a 1099k because of that, just because of their Venmo activity, because they're rabid users, but you're not supposed to. That's actually why Venmo started asking the question about whether you're paying friends or family or not earlier this year, whether it's a business transaction. It was an attempt to gauge what folks are using their platform for so they can document everything accordingly. And so yeah, if you're using it purely for those purposes, Venmo should be hopefully (laughs) a Venmo and cash app should be smart enough to know not to send you a 1099k Mm -hmm. because you weren't using it for business purposes and there's a a political initiative by the way to raise the threshold for sending 1099k forms back to twenty thousand dollars it looks like there's some momentum on that I don't know if it's going to happen in time because not much time left in the year to make Mm. that change nope we'll see we'll report back if it does though
1: Yes, we will, man. But uh, that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, we've got a great interview lined up for you on Monday. We're going to be talking about money and love. We're going to we're going to talk about relationships here on Monday with how to Abby make, Davison. How
0: to make the biggest money decisions that often involve money and relationships and other people. Yeah. And and she lays out a great framework for how mm -hmm. to do that.
1: And and it's not actually, it's not everything to do with this. It's not only about relationships. It's just about some of these larger decisions that we have to make oftentimes in life. Should we move? What should we do Mm -hmm. uh, with our lives? Should we get married? Should
0: we have kids? It's like all those kinds of things. She's got this great framework that I think is going to help you make better decisions,
1: When it comes to the big decisions. Exactly. Yeah. So if that sounds interesting to you, be sure to check that one out here on Monday. But Joel, again, that's going to be it, buddy. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.
0: marketing.com.